Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. If you're looking for an easy way to keep advancing your career, your skills, and your opportunities... Consider becoming an Adweek Pro member. As an Adweek Pro member, you'll get unlimited access to Adweek content. You'll also be invited to member-only events, classes, and networking opportunities. Your employer might even cover the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com slash subscribe to learn about our current special rate for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com slash subscribe. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. Uh, very excited this week to have with us uh, Nicole Ortiz, senior editor at Adweek. Uh, Nicole, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me again. And uh, Nicole oversees a wide range of stuff in our print edition and online, has been with Adweek for a while now, and uh, is, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to have you back. And we've also got Ronan Shields, who covers programmatic and ad tech and all sorts of other uh, kind of fascinating tech sides of the advertising world. Ronan, thanks for making time for us. No problem at all. Uh, it's good to be back. Once a year doesn't hurt. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, we care about ad tech once a year. <laughs> And then we're like, <laughs> well, let's just remember uh, the last time I appeared on this uh, podcast, it was for exactly the same issue, the uh, pre next tech issue. So, yeah, it seems to be my cadence. You it's, have a thing. It's Ronan Day. <laughs> Mark your calendar. Um, <laughs> The uh, I don't know we we haven't had you I feel like we have you on to talk about like Martin Sorrell and and but uh, no, that's we'll, correct that's right yeah we'll, uh, <laughs> well we'll have you back on more than once a year but for now glad to celebrate this holiday with you awesome um, <laughs> thanks and, for having me on the holiday too guys <laughs> and speaking of big days it's a big week uh, for Ad Week on the uh, on the kind of the ad tech side we've got um, we're unveiling quite a bit of content this week uh, some uh, quite a bit of which we will talk about uh, today. And um, and we've got a huge event, uh, Next Tech, which is one of our uh, tentpole events uh, for Adweek. Uh, it is what this year's the two days, uh, Ronan. It will uh, run from July twenty seventh through July thirty. Uh, it will oh. be uh, yeah, just a half day events. So normally right. we do it full days, but because of this. Uh, this strange time that we're all going through. It's a little bit different this year. Yeah, so the, this year, obviously, we've gone virtual, and uh, which also means it's free, uh, which is a pretty good deal. Uh, for So if you have not checked out Next Tech in the past, or if you have, um, you should uh, go to go to adweek.com, look on our events tab, and you can find it, but it's not too late to register. As Rona mentioned, we're going to have several days of half-day, uh, you know, 
sessions featuring a, a huge range of speakers. Uh, Ronan, tell us some of the uh, who are some of the big names, and uh, even if they're not big names, like some of the really interesting folks that people should listen out for. Sure. Well, uh, everybody's very interesting, but uh, as we say, some of the headline names would be. Uh, we have Jennifer Gardner from Unilever. She is going to be in conversation with our brand's deputy editor, Diana Pearl, talking through uh, some of their tactics and strategy around uh, digital advertising. I think what's quite interesting about that one is that they have suspended advertising on Facebook and Twitter for the remainder of the year. So it'll be interesting to hear more about that. We also have Linda Yaccarino from NBC Universal. Uh, That'll be interesting because they have just launched Peacock. And uh, we also have uh, Scott Galloway from Vice. He will be talking about The Four, which is the title of his book, when he talks about the four big names in tech. They are Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. There's loads more. Um, well, yeah, we just got to keep it short, I guess. Yeah, the uh, I'll be there. Uh, I mean, a big swath <laughs> of the Adweek folks will be uh, moderating yeah. panels because we got quite a few. Uh, so definitely Ooh. check it out, Leia, uh, and uh, you can find the lineup again on Adweek.com. In addition to Next Tech, uh, we've got our Best of Tech uh, list is going live probably by the time you listen to this. I think it goes live on Monday morning after our print issue comes out. Um, but it's uh, it is a list of kind of the um the well i guess ronan or nicole both of you were were someone involved in this but uh, it's it's kind of a a readers choice awards for people's favorite tools for a variety of things like for different metrics or different and it goes all the way down to like social media management tools right nicole it's quite quite a range of of uh services yeah it is it's um like you said it's all voted for by uh readers and in the first round, we had 50,000 votes, and then second round, there were 40,000 votes, so it's a lot, quite a lot of votes. Oh. Um, and it covers everything from, like, Hootsuite to Sprinkler, and Zoom's on there, obviously. Zoom is a pretty big deal this year. Um, and Critio is on there, of course. They have had uh, quite a few headlines, <laughs> and <Sure. laughs> I think it's safe to say. And, yeah it's kind of interesting to see what people find as like the most useful pieces of tech at this time. Like some of them don't surprise me. Like, like I said, zoom is a big one right now. And some of the ones that are there for like sprinkler is used for, um, you can use it to make ads on uh TikTok, which obviously has been blowing up during quarantine too. Uh, so those don't surprise me, but then there's things like Nielsen and Google analytics that you're like, Oh, I didn't think of Google analytics about, digital video capabilities. But yeah, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Google Analytics uh, really stuck out to me as, as a, a rear's choice for uh, video analytics, just because I, like I make video, but I guess I'm not like a big video person. But right. I, always think of, I always think of Google, Google Analytics in terms of like web traffic. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so definitely uh, check out, uh, were, there, were there any names that jumped out to you, Ronan, in terms of uh, companies you cover that you were maybe surprised to see or that are kind of the, have become some of the more dominant names uh, in, in the last few years? Uh, well, I think Nicole kind of stole my thunder a little bit there. And <laughs> Sorry. That, uh, <laughs> uh, Critio being uh, recognized for retargeting, which was interesting uh, because obviously the death knell has been sort of sounded for third-party cookies, which is at the core of uh, retargeting. So that's interesting. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking 
lots about that over the course of next tech so that one just stuck out for me and uh we will also be talking about that over like the next few minutes because that's the, <laughs> the next thing that we wanted to talk about is ronan uh covers every day uh covers issues of privacy and uh data privacy and permissions and cookies and tracking and all these issues that are on the back end of advertising and that power kind of modern digital advertising. And it feels like we're in this really uncertain uh, period these last few years, uh, maybe kicking off with GDPR in in Europe. Uh, Mm -hmm. But man, it's just, I I guess first, let's take a big step back for those of us who don't live in the ad tech world every day. What is the state of the cookie? (laughs) Uh, so I think it's fair to say that the cookie from the very beginnings of online advertising, which is we're going back to like the mid to early 90s, so yeah, early to mid 90s, uh, was the cookie. It was the common currency. It was how, uh, you know, one ad would end up on a website whenever I clicked on it, uh, whereas uh, Nicole would get another one. So it was just behavioral targeting. So it, it when I speak to some of my sources, they say it was only ever a bit of a hack to begin with. And then it was a hack that everybody thought was like, yeah, it needs to be improved somehow. But other things just went along and then it just got to this stage whereby uh, regulatory authorities across the world, uh, Europe probably leading them uh, because they are just more proactive in their regulation. Um that they started to say, hey, this, these cookies are collecting too much information on people without them knowing about it. And so uh, by that, that kind of brought into the crosshairs, that brought the cross, uh, big tech into the crosshairs of the regulators. So think Google, think Amazon, think Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So suddenly they started introduce, introducing all these policies that have basically, uh, I think, eroded the usability of third-party cookies and uh, Google Chrome, which is the big, most commonly used mobile web browser in the world, uh, at the beginning of this year, they said that by 2022, they are going to stop supporting third-party cookies. Now, what that means that is that any company, be you an advertiser or a media owner or a middleman, uh, ad tech middleman, you won't be able to do business within that web browser. Um, the most commonly used web browser in the world. I think it accounts for circa 60% of all installed web browsers in the world. Big problem if you were relying on it and you're not fast developing a solution. So that's kind of where we are right now, I'd say. Yeah, to me, it almost feels like when Flash got discontinued, essentially, by the entire... Oh, yeah. Modern web. You know, it's like I remember, (laughs) you know, now it's hard to even remember that time, but there was a time when Flash was kind of the default of the Internet uh, Mm. to use for, and and Apple was one of the few platforms that really hated it um, and and kind of refused to go along with it. And so the early iPhones really were very hostile against Flash. and to the point of I don't think he even used it. But but like when 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 these browsers said we're going to stop, you know we're going to discontinue support of Flash, it felt like the end of an era. And, but I guess with are is that what's happening with cookies? Or are we really at the end of an era? Or is it just kind of everything's just getting more dragged out into the front? Uh, and and I, I mean, are we? Is there really going to be a? We'll think back to the 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 cookie era that ended circa twenty twenty. Or is it just more? This is kind of PR and optics for for how they how they manage privacy. Um, okay, interesting. With that, I think 
in the industry, there might be some people that talk about, oh, third-party cookies, because it just made their business operations more more easy, uh, easier, shall I say. Uh, but I don't think it's going to have, I don't think consumers, the man and the woman on the street, I don't think they will notice it much. Um, they'll just be like, well, yeah, because they were a bit clunky to begin with. So uh, kind of a difficult analogy to make. Because, uh, yeah, obviously Flash was a very consumer-facing tool. Third-party cookies are just so behind the curtain. Um, but, yeah, certainly the decline of third-party cookies will go a long way to accelerating uh, the consolidation in that tech. That's, that's for sure. So let, let's talk also about iOS 14 uh, for, for Apple's uh, mobile devices. Um, the... The, so you've been looking into kind of the uh, the fears among the advertising industry about what iOS 14 would do versus what it actually ended up doing. I guess start with what was the, what was the ad industry's concern that Apple would do? Okay, well, just as I referenced, how Chrome will no longer Google Chrome will no longer support third party cookies from 2022. Well, Apple with its Safari browser kind of kicked that off back in 2017. Uh, just to show you, uh, Apple is kind of quite hostile to third parties uh, that they that they have like limited control over. Well, there was a great fear in the run up to to Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference that uh, they would do the same in the mobile app environment, uh, killing what is called IDFA. IDFA in the mobile app environments, ad tech companies used ad uh, IDFA. Uh, just like they'd use a third-party cookie. That's uh, probably the simplest way I could put it. Um, so people were really fearing that they were going to say, that's it, we're killing it, same as we're doing in our web browser. And I had a lot of like financial analysts would call me up, and they would uh, reach publicly, publicly traded ad tech stock and say, oh, what are you hearing about it? And I was like, well, I don't know. I know as much as you guys. And we were all just sort of watching it quite eagerly. And then they did this thing of basically saying how in iOS 14, they were going to expressly request an iPhone user's permission before any data can be collected and passed on to third parties. So if you're an advertiser and you want to be able to target ads to me or my iPhone using RDFA, you have to get my permission first from whatever apps I install. So that's uh, that's basically where it is. They kind of fudged the matter, um, but in classic Apple style, uh, they have done a very very good job at spreading confusion, <laughs> creating hype, spreading confusion. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of competing theories. I did a quick call around immediately after it, and people were like, "Um, we think this is a good thing. We know user consent is a good thing, but we don't know." quite hard to do that. And Apple just, you know, there was a very quick statement. Uh, this was like a small footnote in the, the wider worldwide developer conference, but it's had huge impacts. And then Apple set out like two different blog posts saying, yeah, this is what you, got, you will have to do when we roll it out. iOS 14 is going to be rolled out from around about the fall time. Uh, but nobody really knows for certain. So all you have a lot of people that are just... Um, doing a bit of guesswork, and that's it. I mean, uh, it's, it's a very confusing state. It's very typically Apple. I could give you my theories as to why they're doing that, but yeah. 
And uh, one of the other things that they're doing with it is they're putting some limitations on uh, location, aren't they? Yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Um, they say that it's like, you know consumer friendly, but I don't know if you've if either of you have tried using it, when you're constantly getting asked for you know, permission to access this technology and that technology, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think it's a very user-friendly experience just in terms of the UX. I don't know what either of you two think. I mean, I always just set everything at an automatic because I get so annoyed with being asked <laughs> over and over and over. I'm like, fine, just have my location. Just take it. I, I can't keep blocking it at this point. Well, yeah, I, I I love the feature of that was I, I feel like was added maybe a year or two ago of where it tells you this app has been using your information in the background even when you're not using it. Do you want to keep that or do you want to only let it use that info when you're using the app? And I like that. You know, as a consumer, I'm like, okay. oh, okay. Because Ron and I we were talking before um, we started the podcast, and you know, part of me feels like a lot of times when people say that there's user choice, there's not. It's kind of like terms of service. A lot of times, it's like, mm -hmm. are you okay with this, or do you want to not use this app? <laughs> exactly. And so I felt like that was one of the few times where it actually offered you a halfway point of like. Well, I'm okay with it knowing where I am when I'm using it, and I need it to know where I am. Um, but you know, but at, on the other side of that coin, and I'm sure this is what the app developers would say is like, I've seen some apps that really don't work once you turn off that background uh, mapping, like mm. like some of the ones, some of these apps that use you know, that try to serve you up. Oh, here's this is nearby you or whatever. And I've had some of those just really get busted when I tell it don't use the my data when you're not when I'm not loading the app. I don't know. It's it's small things, but you know, you can you can as a as a consumer I I like it. And and Nicole really gets at something that I wanted to ask you too is you know, a few years ago I think there was a lot of um uh, I guess just all the all this tracking and your the exposure of your information, and this is probably still true uh, with a lot of cookies or you know a lot of your data on browsers, is just you don't know how much of it's being served up to the the websites or to the you know to the internet service providers and things like that. And so it's cool that there's been more transparency about that and asking you, are you okay with this and checking in. But it also I worry that we've reached a point of fatigue or oversaturation of these these pop-ups saying, are you okay with this? And this site uses this and this site tracks your brand. This site does this. And I've gotten to the point where even as someone who covers this space every day, I, I just kind of hit yes to everything just to get it off my screen. Just cause I'm like, L I just, I, j I need to get to this thing. Okay. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very much the worst case scenario where I agree to every terms of service and I do not read it. And I click yes to like, okay, you can have my cookies on this site. If you just get these pop-ups out of my face I'm, I'm that person, but I also feel like that is how the majority of people act with these things because it does get uh -huh. to be so intrusive and so frustrating to have it again and again and again. That's just all right, fine, just take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? Do, yeah, where do you feel like the we're at uh, either with yourself or or with the consumer behavior, Ronan? Uh, I'm exactly the same as Nicole. I'm, really? I agree. I, I, yeah, I. I I would have thought that since you cover ad tech and privacy and everything that you would be like reading every terms of service and like very much invested and limited on things. Uh, it really disturbs me that you think I act like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you, uh, it's, 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 it's a rubbish 
experience. I mean, look, if you're really that bothered by all these things, go use DuckDuckGo instead of Google Search. <laughs> go use uh, the Brave browser instead of Chrome. Or if you're that kind of a person, there's tools out there for you. I just think the vast majority of people are uh, like myself, and I'm guessing yourself, uh, uh, just sort of more inclined to go down the path of least resistance. Yeah, you know, I think often about uh, our former coworker Shoshana Wodinski, who, you know, she would always tell me like, you know what you need to be doing, and then she would always like launch into these like, first you download this browser, and then that scrubs out your entire identity, and then this, and then you're definitely gonna have to turn off your Wi-Fi and turn off all, and you know, and I'm just sitting here thinking like, yeah, I just want to look up recipes, you know, yeah. I'm just like. <laughs> I just want to ma- make TikToks. Like I, I know I should care about that, and I would always she gets she would get so passionate about it, and and still does. She's still a wonderful journalist on the on this front. Oh, but yeah. but I'm just like I sh- I know I should care more, but I kind of just want to play this dumb mobile game. <laughs> I don't really care yeah. if it knows what other apps I have installed. I always yeah. just think that like whoever's looking at my data is probably bored, and they're gonna be like, all right, we don't really. <laughs> We can turn this one off. We don't need to pay attention to this one because she's not doing anything crazy here. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like when you hear people talking about the dark web and they're like, you know, whatever you do, don't go full screen while you're browsing the dark web. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? They're like, then they'll know the size of your, you know, your screens. And I'm not making fun of it. These are legit security issues. But as I don't know a, what that means either. Yeah, as a moron consumer, I'm just like, oh, and it's bad if they know the size of my screen yeah because then they can identify oh. and you know it's just people who are really serious about this stuff get really infuriated there i'm sure there are some listening to who get really infuriated to us casuals who are just like uh you know i'm just trying to find a copy of this movie that's not streaming anywhere um yeah the most i've ever done is put like tape over my camera and that's my my privacy yeah but yeah, I mean, it's just part of it. And, th- and this came up a lot with TikTok, uh, with the debate around, you know, Donald Trump's people wanting to supposedly ban TikTok. And, you know, and they, they talk about whenever I see the list of all the privacy invasions it supposedly is, is making in my life. And I'm just like, yeah, I just assume everything I use is it has this level of transparency into what apps I'm using and what my device information, where I am and, and what other demographic info. I'm just like, yeah, I guess, I guess for better or worse, like I'm, I must just be a complete stooge to corporate, you know, to the corporate world. Cause I'm just like, yeah, I just assume they have all this anyway. Um, yeah. Like every time yeah. those conversations circulate about like, Oh, your phone's listening to you or your computer's listening to you. I'm like, well, I kind of assume they are at this point. I just assume any tech in my apartment can listen to me. Yeah. I mean, if it's hackable, just assume you're being hacked. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awful. We are uh, terrible. Such a don't... depressing world. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I, but I will say, I don't mean to be totally blasé about that, but there, you're quite right. Uh, I have had some conversations. I've been covering this space probably about 10 years now. And I know that in previous uh, versions of uh, the popular mobile operating systems out there, that like one active developer told me, he's like, yeah, I can just put some code in and then I can tell like whomever's uh, app my app is installed on, I can tell every other app that they, are, that they have installed. I was like, whoa, that's a little bit nuts. Mm-hmm. And so that was just like one anecdote that I was told years and years and years ago. So... Um, I don't mean to sound too blasé about it, but this space does need to be more tightly controlled. 
be that regulated by government or by some of the major platform providers, which is one of the sentiments that was expressed to me by some of the sources when I some of the sources when I spoke to people about iOS 14. Uh, one expert who looked at CCPA and GDPR, she said, well, this is going to be more impactful because if you think of, okay, how many uh, residents are there in the state of California? Um, is it something like 30 to 40 million? God, I, I have know. no idea. Um, but, uh, you know, being European, I do know that uh, in the, the European Union with GDPR um, uh, applies, that's, uh, that's close to like half a billion people. How many iPhones are there in the world? Um, we're talking, I'd say, more than those numbers and has a bigger geographical spread, uh, a wider geographical spread than where GDPR or CCPA applies. So right now you've got these huge companies that are actually making policy that is more comprehensive than, say, elected governments. So I thought that was quite an interesting observation. This is the dystopia that the 1980s prepared me for. Like when I when I was growing up, everything was just like corporations will transcend their nation states will cease to exist and corporations will be the, the world government. We're finally there. Congratulations, everybody. We Are made you it. quoting yeah. 1984 right there? <laughs> no, that one was still governments. It was like for some reason, the 80s, like Robocop and everything, everything was just like corporations will rule the world, which I mean, if if you were in the Reagan era, much like now, you probably were like, yeah, yeah, I buy that. That makes sense. <laughs> um, well, it, it has been uh, such a play. I, I will say, though, that uh, one thing I was thinking about when we were talking about that is just kind of the way I'm always fascinated to see how younger people feel about some of these issues about privacy. And like during the protests uh, after Black Lives Matter got started again and and uh, I was seeing a lot of uh, videos on TikTok and other places of people talking about how to protect your privacy from the government being able to track you or from people being able to prove where you were. And and part of me wondered how paranoid is that versus how realistic. And man, I've seen I've seen that actually play out in real life. Uh, and it's kind of freaky. Like we had police uh, issue a warrant for arrest of a woman I know for being in a protest uh, where I live. And she wasn't even in town that week like she wasn't there and they were supposed and I, I don't think it's ever been confirmed, but supposedly they were like police were going through friend lists of people that they arrested and finding who they thought might have been caught on video footage. And I mean, issued a, you know, a warrant for someone's arrest who wasn't even in the same state uh, when all this happened. Whoa. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, some of this, yeah, is legit scary. Like, like your your tech and your platforms and your data, even when not surrendered by the companies, uh, just how much is out there, which I know is a somewhat different topic, but it's just that to me was a bit of a wake up call of like, how did they, how did they identify this woman if she wasn't there and wasn't taking part in it? And they're saying, oh, it was because you know we we had footage of everyone who was there. So anyway, that, that to me was a, you know a bit of a wake up call. But then on the other side of that coin, uh, I saw a video on TikTok of a <laughs> of a woman. Um, oh my god, that is quite the other side. Of no, no, no. Quite, like, well, what's That's funny quite is the like, trade off. Yeah, all all of, no. This actually is a really good example of like what TikTok is like right now. Is that it's half like let's take down the government and corporate you know the corporate world and then it's half just like 
silly jokes and dances. Um, but it's like, I think in the same day I was seeing these videos about, okay, here's how to protect your privacy and your data when you are out there fighting the man. And then like the next video was this woman said, I like to take my, my boyfriend's, uh, iPhone when, when he's not around and do this. And it was just her whispering into the phone, like while it was <laughs> locked and she's just whispering engagement ring, diamond ring. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Two carat diamond ring. And she's just like, that way I know he'll get served up ads for the <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right. That's that's the that's the scope of where we are right now. It's like we are equally terrified and also just like uh, just assume it's legit happening and um, that we have no privacy at all. So, so on you that found note, yourself in data privacy TikTok. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's the sexiest TikTok. <laughs> I'm waiting for Ronan to just pop in there. Um, well, that, that sounds that sounds like a very dark niche of the, the internet yeah yeah <laughs> oh, it gets way worse on there <laughs> um all right well ronan thank you so much for taking the time and uh thank you i mean heck this week uh go to adweek.com you can't miss ronan he is all over it uh and uh the stories we've talked about today about ios 14 uh coverage of uh the best of tech is on there and then also lots of other uh, stories that we've got coming that we didn't even get to today so check out the site uh and then also of course next Tech uh, is going to be going all week, uh, most of the week. And so you can uh, check out our events tab on adweek.com to get registered for that if you're not already. And uh, hope to see you there. Uh, thank you, uh, Ronan. Thank you, Nicole. It's always a pleasure to have both of you on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay, we'll see you this time next year, Ronan. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Bye. Put it on the calendar. Bye. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, and then when we come back, uh, Co M, our co host, uh, who couldn't be here for that part of the show, uh, but is going to be back talking with Julie Clark, uh, who is Spotify's global head of ad revenue innovation. They're going to be talking about the future of audio. So stick around after the break for that conversation. Are you an Adweek Pro member? If so, we hope you've been enjoying unlimited access to Adweek content, including special reports on the future of marketing's hottest categories. If you're not an Adweek Pro member, now's the perfect time to join. We've got a ton of amazing member-only events and resources on the way, and you won't want to miss them. Your employer might even be interested in covering the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com offer to find our current special offer for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com offer. Before we get started, we want to show you a little snippet of what we are going to hear and talk about. If you're listening to us and you can be swept away for a little while, that's our ultimate goal. Here we are, Big Dad, and here are our new music on Spotify's New Music Friday playlist now. Buenas noches, Mexico! Music is supposed to move, you bitch! Are you moved? Duh. Hey, y'all, I heard some of my fan club was hanging out online today. Yo! The podcast is moving to Spotify, the largest audio platform in the world. Spotify has signed an exclusive podcasting deal with former U.S. President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle. We believe storytellers is to tell the most crafted, immersive stories that we can. Audio has this very special power to take you inside of an experience in a way that can really bring you there. We're built around bringing that power to the world. So fun. A lot going on. We welcome Julie Clark 
Global Head of Ad Revenue Innovation at Spotify. Good morning, Julie. Um, this has been a big year for you all. Good morning, Co. It's so nice to be chatting with you. Um, yeah, it's been a huge year. It's been um, pretty massive on a lot of different fronts. Uh, we saw the little snippet of Michelle Obama in there. Uh, what was the, the big news that you're gearing up for for the end of the month? So we're so excited. Um, we partnered, you know, we announced our partnership with Higher Ground last year. And the first um, show that is going to be premiering is the Michelle Obama podcast that will be um, premiering on July 29th. It will be exclusive um, on, or on Spotify. And we're just so excited to be able to bring this sort of content to all of our users on the free and the premium side of the business. Yeah, let's talk about content during quarantine, right? I think uh, a lot of people were starting to create podcasts. Um, they were at home. It was accessible. Uh, they could, you know, take advantage of um, in-app ad offers. Uh, were people listening to podcasts? What was kind of the trends that you were seeing in-house? You know, what we've been seeing um, in-house is that, you know, listening behaviors have largely, um, you know, remained the same, but where people are listening is very different and how they're listening. The content that people are listening to um, really seems to be veering more towards comfort and education during this time. So we're seeing a lot more listening um, on, you know, consoles during gaming. We're also seeing a lot of communal listening during like quarantine um, time, you know, periods where people are listening to the same music together. Um, so, you know, from a podcast perspective, we've really seen listeners lean into, um, you know, funny content, content that is comforting, um, you know, in really engaging with hosts as well. Um, so, you know, the hosts that they know and they love, like Jamel Hill um, and Bill Simmons, um, you know, those are the ones that are, you know, gaining a ton of listenership just with that common voice and and, um, you know, being able to bring comfort during this time. I know you have to listen to a lot of podcasts and content yeah. and music probably for your job, but do you have a favorite or a couple of favorites? You know, I mean, I have a bunch of different favorites. I, you know, one of my, the most recently I've loved is Winds of Change, um, which is, you know, it, it was an, an investigative reporting into, um, you know, did the CIA um, help to develop like one of the most popular songs um, <laughs> ever. And, you know, I will say you have to listen. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. But I do, I personally am drawn to a lot of news. Like I, I, I listen to a lot of news content. I li listen to um, content around our industry. Um, I also love uh, the show Happiness Lab, which is around the science of happiness. And I think that that's something, especially during this time of, you know, it is important to be thinking about, um, you know, those different aspects. Yeah, people are definitely getting into kind of more niche subjects, um, yes. explainers. Um, I, I can't help but I have to promote all of our five Ad Week podcasts. <laughs> which are um, excellent. Oh, yes. We have very specific audiences and we have different hosts for them. Yes. Um, so from a creator standpoint, what can we do, right, in terms of um, working with brands and sponsors? What can other uh, creators kind of take away from what Spotify is doing right now? 
Well, I mean, I think that you make a great point is that, you know, each podcast has a different host and hosting a podcast is actually, you know, being a creator isn't just necessarily, you know, setting up a microphone and starting to talk. It's really about, you know, the content overall. And I think that that's something with Spotify is like, you'll see that we are bringing on so many different and diverse creators into the ecosystem, um, you know, from DC Comics to Joe Rogan and Jordan Peele and Lele Pons, um, you know, in combination with Michelle Obama, um, you know, in the ringer content, it's just bringing those diverse voices. And I think that, you know, from a brand perspective, it's really about that intimacy that you have with podcasts and podcast advertising is very different in that way, whether it's a host read or voice talent within that content, it is intimate, it's very engaging. Um, so we're focusing not only on, you know, bringing that, you know, marquee content to our platform, but also the audio innovation that goes into the ad tech as well. So, you know, our streaming ad insertion was announced earlier this year. It's, you know, um, continuing to grow in the size of the um, volume of content that we have enabled with our SAI tech. Um, so, you know, we're really trying to build um, and continue that intimate quality of brands connecting with podcast advertising, but at the same time, bringing um, digital tech to the forefront. Right. You bring up the point about, you know, hosts being able to personalize and really engage with the listeners and the brand. And that's something I think that has been unique from even before the term podcast came up, right, in terms oh. of radio hosts and personalities. Um, so let's talk about, um, you know, some of that innovation in terms of sponsorship. I think um, our producer has a demo and I'd love for you to explain yeah. what we're going to be seeing. Absolutely. So like, like I had said, you know, we started with our streaming ad insertion um, technology. And now what we're doing is expanding that even further in improving the ad experience overall. Um, because when, you know, users are, you know, or consumers are listening to a podcast, they might not necessarily be taking an action at that moment. But what we're going to do is we're resurfacing um, the ads within the app environment so that um, listeners can redeem the offer in a time that's right for them. Um, currently, we're testing this in the US and in Germany um, with HelloFresh and Harry's. Yeah, I also know that you guys have are expanding globally, and you are the global um, <laughs> revenue. <laughs> um, so how, how big is Spotify getting in other countries? And what, what are kind of the trends that we're seeing overseas? So I, I, what I would say is like from a podcast um, specific perspective, we're seeing listenership grow across the board. What we're seeing is, you know, over 70% um, you know, of, you know, audio or over 70% of U.S. consumers are consuming some sort of audio, um, you know, at this point in time. We're seeing those same sort of trends across the world globe as well. And um, Germany is a big focus for us from a global perspective as that has a ton of, you know, um, marquee podcasts within that market, all within the Spotify platform that we're looking to continue that global footprint. And then also, you know, within the UK, we have, um, you know, a, a custom owned and original content um, within the UK, Latin America, Australia. Um, so we're really expanding our footprint across, um, you know, the 79 markets that we're already in and have a ton of room to be able to grow. Yeah, I want to go back to the the offer, right? The example yeah. of Harry's. Um, I suppose podcasting is built for multitasking. Would you say that's correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that podcasting by its very nature is engaging. It's interactive. You're listening to the ad. We know that the research shows that whether it's a host read or a voice talent read, um, that there is a resonance within that environment. And bringing that in-app offers is satisfying, you know, both the element of being able to have that continual listening experience while then bringing back the ad in more of a direct response environment. Um, So it's really bringing, you know, bridging those gaps. Yeah, I remember the days of, you know, radio and it still happens now, but yeah, it's like you have the next five minutes to call in and get this and potentially win and versus now it's like, oh, you can save this, open it um, and use it later at a time that's convenient for you after you're cooking and listening to us, after you're walking and listening to us, right? Absolutely. And I think that that's the thing. I mean, and it's true of Spotify across the board, whether it's music or it's podcasts, it's really about the user experience. And it's making sure that, you know, we're not interrupting that experience that you have within the music and the podcast environment in a way that is detrimental to the content that you're consuming at that time. So in-app offers is another way for us to be able to expand that and to be able to increase the likelihood and engagement for our brand partners as well. Yep. Um, are you seeing um, uh, a certain category where brand from brands um, that want to kind of be in the podcast atmosphere? So, uh, you know, podcasting is very interesting. It has been, you know, historically very D2C and DR heavy um, his, historically. And that's still true. I mean, I think that they were early adopters um, to be able to understand how to get the medium to be able to work. Um, and I think that, you know, we're working with a lot of those marketers still um, and learning from them. And they're, you know, and as we're going on this SAI and in-app offer journey, working closely with them, we are seeing a ton more um, brands come in from like a pure branding perspective um, and engaging in a real way within podcasts, not just with testing budgets, but really, you know, moving the needle across the board. And I think that that's, you know, we're not seeing share shift. It's really about how do we grow the overall impact and share of ear for a marketer across all of Spotify. I don't know if it's just Spotify in general, but is there more testing um, for podcast ads? There's a ton of, you know, I mean, I, I would say yes. Like in because we're launching so many new products, we are testing, um, you know, a ton with different marketers. I would say that brands in general will enter under, you know, test parameters. Um, and I think that SAI has been a really great way to be able to move the needle on that front because now there's an ability to give audience data. People understand if they're actually, their ads are actually being listened to, whereas in the down, you know, pure download environment, you don't necessarily always know if your podcast ad had been heard. Um, so I think that it gives a little bit more, um, you know, meat on the bones of being able to get into that test. Right. Sarah has a question from our LinkedIn audience. For what kind of products or services are podcasts suitable for advertising? I mean, we're seeing everything from CPG to um, automotive to D to C. So I I would say it, you know, because the content, we have over a million different podcasts on Spotify. We have, um, you know, over 350 owned and exclusive podcasts. There's so much content. I would say podcasts, you can find the right content for any brand. And it's really about how do you, you know, target that audience? How do you make sure that you're making that connection? Yeah. 
Uh, I want to take a, a step back. Um, sure. you know, there has been a lot going on um, around the world and then a lot of developments at, at Spotify. Um, how are you doing and how are you leading your team and the way that you think about innovation and revenue? That is a really great question. Um, and thank you for that. Um, I, you know, I'm doing great. Um, I not always like during the pandemic, you know, there's definitely ups and downs of, you know, there's, I mean, I definitely have been, I'm a, more of a person that's built for work from home, probably mm -hmm. more than most. But even for me, I think about that with my team. It's like, if, if this is a comfortable place for me to be, and I still get uncomfortable with being work from home all the time, I can't imagine for those that are you know, really not enjoying this. So I think that it's just, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to like, you know, really understand what, you know, my team is going through and then applying that to how we show up for work every day for each other and then for our brand partners as well. So I think that like from the innovation standpoint, I th the thing that I've welcomed it is, is it forces you to think differently. I think that that's something that I've always been mindful of is like, you know, waking up and thinking, you know, these are the things I have to do, but what can I do differently today? Um, I, I think that that is becoming more natural. Um, and I think that it's just gonna breed even more success as we, you know, fail fast and keep moving forward quickly yeah i was also thinking you know it's kind of obvious but has quarantine made us better listeners i wonder if you know the the ideas and the innovation and the creativity that comes specifically with you know audio and revenue um is that coming more from a consumer-led standpoint meaning you know uh, listening to to consumer needs and really honing in on the customer experience especially now when um, you know, we're so adapt, um, so, so much, there's so much adaptation and, and right. behavior and sensitivity to our environments. I hope so. I hope that it makes us, you know, just better listening and listeners and better humans, um, you know, within that environment. I think that one of the trappings of it is that, you know, work can become very transactional. You know, we have this quick little meeting and then we move along. Um, I think that the more that we can, you know, be mindful of those engagements and be better listeners, I, I hope that you're right. I think that that is definitely something um, that is, you know, could be a really powerful output from this time. Great. Um, where are you focusing your, your energies? Um, is it especially the launch coming up um, on, on July 29th and then um, more, more innovation, uh, more testing? What's on kind of your calendar? Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely a, a podcast focus. And also, you know, part of what I've just been thinking about is, you know, the additive environment of podcasts and music, you know, podcasts and music together, we see increases engagement and listenership, but, you know, millennials and Gen Z are spending 18 hours um, a week streaming. Um, streaming audio. So, I mean, that's an incredible amount of time. And how can we bring those two together in the platform from a brand perspective and a partnership perspective to be able to continue to, you know, grow revenue for us, but also maximize, you know, brand exposure in the right way with, you know, all of the data and insights that we can bring to them. Um, so that's definitely a huge focus. And yes, I am very excited for July 29th with the Michelle Obama podcast um, launching soon. 
<laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll all have like it in our I want to ask you uh, kind of a last question you know what is the future of audio Julie is it going to be if you had a, a crystal ball of sorts maybe even an amalgamation of music and podcast um, what is the future of audio in, from where you sit I mean, I, the future of audio is massive. I mean, we see it growing continually now, and I don't think that there's an end in sight. I think the future of audio is is having a brand voice, and I think that it's really important right now that brands are thinking about, um, you know, how they're showing up for consumers, how they're showing up for listeners, and what that brand voice is, and how you invest in that. Um, I, I think that with you know video fatigue um, being a reality that audio is an amazing break and there's so much opportunity for creativity within this space that um the the future is very very bright well julie clark from spotify thank you so much for sharing your voice your hopes and your insights with us today thank you it's been wonderful appreciate your time Right. Thank you to CoM for sharing uh, that part of her conversation with Julie Clark, Spotify's Global Head of Ad Revenue Innovation. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, that's it for this week's episode. Again, check out adweek.com for information on our next tech event this week and all the coverage that we talked about today. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by CoM and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, if you have not done so already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they also help new listeners discover the show. Uh, for Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week.